Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to make a quick announcement that I am now accepting commissions. So if you would like me to create you a small acrylic painting or a fine art drawing or an ink drawing, you can click the link in the show notes and it will take you over to my website so you can um, submit your proposal. Thanks for listening. So I've been traveling um, for 12 days now, and one of the things I noticed, um, because I haven't been able to create anything for those 12 days, is that I started having a lot of anxiety about not creating, about not doing things. And I think one of the reasons why I had that little bit of anxiety was because I was kind of always taught that If you wanted to be great at something, you had to do it every single day. Um, And I always looked up to like Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway, and I fell in love with how they wrote and they just did the same thing every single day. Um, I mean, (laughs) I'm simplifying their process a lot more than what they actually did. But they really didn't have distractions. And one of the things that the stereotype of the artist or the writer I was told growing up was that writers are usually the most boring people because they live their excitement through their work. And that kind of always stuck with me. And I realized that I had a kind of subconscious belief that like that's what I was supposed to be was this boring person in order to be so great at something. But what I'm learning now is that art isn't about the creation itself. It's about living as the art. Um, If you want to identify as an artist, I feel like it's embodying the full spectrum that is art. To be an artist, you are the art that you create. So I think moving forward, I love traveling and I love doing all these things and I'm trying to get over this fear of not creating every single day and learning that I don't need to because I'm still living the art in every single thing I do. So if I travel and I love traveling and expressing myself that way and love connecting with others, that is still an art form and I'm still gaining something from that. I gained inspiration. I'm gaining connection and networking and learning about different things that will eventually lead to more art, right? And the other thing I'm learning is intention. I think when we get into this loop of constant creation and constant perception, we tend to forget the intention we have behind the work we create, behind that call, that drive that is telling us that, yes, we have to create something, put that out there. And over the past few years, I've really gotten into this psychology of intention and the way we think and show up for ourselves. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza is a really good Um, scientists or psychologists, if you want to look into that, he writes a lot of books about that, about how our subconscious beliefs create the world around us. And that might sound kind of out there and magical and mystical, but 
I like to view life as just this constant string of experimentation. And so I was going into that and really looking at, okay, how do I speak to myself? What am I doing? What am I putting out into the world? And something I really noticed is that when you constantly show up in a negative way, more negative things happen. And this is on a individual level, and it also echoes into a societal level. So you have all of these news stations that are trying to get the most views, trying to get more money come in. So their news stories become grander and grander and more chaotic. And there's a lot of negativity in all the news. And something that I was looking into or thought about was what would happen if the news outlet, if the news medium actually started from a place of pure positivity. And I'm not saying shut out everything bad that happens, but I've always kind of been curious of what would happen if we only spoke good things into the universe. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with my art. Of what do I want to put out and show people? I think everyone has a different purpose. Everyone has a different understanding of how to perceive the world. I think some artists do a great job of, I think all art is political. I think all art has a meaning and showing you a new way to look at the world. I think it can be a catalyst for changing our minds and thus changing action. I think some people are meant to show the negativity of the world, show and criticize the way society shows up for us and how we show up for society. And for me, I started realizing my art is here to show what is possible and what you can deserve. I started realizing that for me, art is very healing and it's very much for me to learn that no matter what, I still deserve love and I still deserve a sense of romance and a sense of feeling like I deserve to be here. And that all started with my obsession with the story of Medusa. And I have talked about this before, um, if you follow me on Instagram or anything, but I've always been obsessed with Greek mythology and the story that really got me was the story of Medusa. And this is separate from um, like when she's just a villain and being taken care of and getting her head chopped off. Like every statue you see of her, she it's just her head. Um, there have been new statues that have come out that have shown her in like a more powerful stance and her whole body and everything. But Greek artwork and things only show her with her head chopped off. Um, because that's how they knew her. And then her story was written into an epic poem, and we learned that she was essentially raped by Poseidon in Athena's temple, and Athena punished her by turning it, her into a monster. And I think this really showcases what women deal with, even today, and that has always stuck with me, this feeling of otherness, this feeling of if you are defiled, you are seen as 
something that is not worthy. You are seen as a, mo a monster. You are seen as something that is cast aside. And some people believe that Athena did this as a feminist movement. Um, I mean, people today <laughs> like to view that. But I think Athena is the personification of the male patriarchy. The male thought is the default. And what I mean by that is we do things based on male thought, cis white male thought, without even considering that another way of life is possible. Um, public transportation is a really good example of that. We look at public transportation has been designed to get you from work to home in a very linear, systematic way, which is a very male-centered thought because men only go from home to work and they don't usually have to go other places. And this is all throughout the world. And the funny thing is men are usually the main vehicle owners, like they're the ones that get the vehicle. And women are do the majority, probably like 90 plus percent of unpaid labor. So that means they do a lot of, they do multi-stop trips because they're going to get um, their parents, the grandparents, the kids, they're going to the grocery stores. They have to run errands and do all of these things, get the laundry. And because of this linear systematic public transportation system, it's more difficult for women to get around in a safe way, even though women make up the majority of the users of the public transportation system. And we don't consider that there is another alternative way to create this public transportation system, even though it's clearly not the most effective way for everyone or the main user. We just default to the male thought. And going back to the story of Medusa, we see that in all of these stories of the goddesses. In the male society, women have to fall into three roles. There is the untouched virgin, there's the nurturing mother, or there is the insatiable whore. And Athena was this virgin, so to be defiled in her temple, she sought revenge on Medusa. And in the Greek culture, for a woman to be beautiful was actually seen as a sinful act, um, because if you were beautiful, you would be punished by the gods. But for men, if they were seen as beautiful, if they were seen as extremely fit and emulating the gods, then they were seen as morally superior. Um, your morals were very tied to your appearance in Greek culture. And I always found that interesting how for a man to be beautiful was seen as the highest praise from gods. But for a woman to be beautiful, it was a sin. And Medusa was cast aside. She was created into a monster. Um, someone had to go and cut her head off. And she represents what women go through today. And that has always stuck with me because that's how I've always felt, is that when something occurred to me that was traumatic and everything, that people were not going to look at me the same way. 
And unfortunately, that does happen. We are taught that if you are defiled, if something traumatic happens to you, if if anything bad happens to you, you are no longer a human. You are seen as something other than human. You are seen as something that other people get to decide if they want to deal with that or not. And it it's taken outside of you and is turned into a red flag for other people to decide if they want to deal with your problem, if they want to deal with the complications that you face, even though it's a part of you and your experience and shouldn't dictate any status of your worthiness. Because when something traumatic like that happens, it's not, it's hard to put into words the feeling of having this like muck all over your skin and you can't get it off and you don't have control over your body. And yeah, Medusa always kind of represented that to me of how sad it is that it's still happening today. And so when I started going down this road of art and creation, I started being drawn to Greek sculptures and beautiful women and flowers and bright colors and creating things that made me feel like I still deserved a love, that I still deserved romance and just simple pleasures in life and things that I ultimately felt like I didn't deserve because I felt like I was cast aside. And what I create, I hope to give that opportunity to anyone else who needs that feeling as well. I know it got kind of dark there, but that's how I started viewing my intentions with my work is every time right before I create, I say a little prayer that my art is a conduit of healing and loving energy. So every time I create, I am trying to breed into this world more love, more beauty, more joy, because I know what it's like not to have that feeling and not to feel worthy of those things. And that's what my question around the media kind of started was, I know why I'm creating these things. So I wonder if the media and people that are out there in society, if they focus on the good, if they focus on pushing love into society rather than exploiting the hatred, what would happen? If we stopped focusing so much on everything that is wrong with the world and started pushing that love and healing, would it change? I don't have an answer for that. I'm not saying I'm right (laughs) and that that's the way to go. I'm just curious what society would look like if that was the default. That's all. And that's what I really learned on this trip was the power of intention, I guess. Um, I think in the self-help industry, a lot of the times they push this narrative of positive thinking and like holding this vision for yourself and holding only saying positive things and while that is great in theory and kind of contradicts what I've been saying but I think the missing link for a lot of people is that intention setting um how do you want to show up for yourself and 
What is your intention by the actions you decide to take moving forward? Um, like before this trip, I journaled, and I haven't done this traveling before, but I journaled everything that I, the intentions I wanted to show up as. So that I picked three words. I picked romance, inspiration, and connection. And I wrote down things that I hoped would happen. Um, and then wrote down how I would still be worthy if they did or did not occur. And I set the intentions and wrote out why it mattered to me to show up in those ways and how I could take action to fulfill my own prophecy, so to speak. Um, and I felt all of those things that I wrote down and those things occurred and I had such great synchronicities that I didn't expect. Um, so I guess that's how you can experiment with intention, um, whether it's taking action in your day-to-day -day life or intention of creation, intention of relationship or even like eating, <laughs> intention with eating, I think. And that kind of comes down to this narrative of being present. Um, so speaking that into existence, I think, is what's helping me move forward and being intentional with my words, my actions, my thoughts, which is a little different, I think, to positive thinking. And that's a whole other conversation. Um, but those are the topics that started coming up for me on this trip, and I'm really grateful for it. So yeah, I hope to explore those topics more as I create. And I hope to, like one of the, I have like five different paintings that I'm working on. And I was so upset when I left because I was like, oh, they're like my little babies almost. Um, so I'm excited to get back to those and see what is next. Um, and I hope you continue following me on this journey. Thanks for listening.